0: episode 167 of the What Nots review show where every week we pick a story and we talk about it this could be a movie tv series anime comic book audio drama all kinds of entertainment we watch it read it listen to it and then we come back here and we talk about it my name is melissa wilkinson and my regular co-captain kyle springer is still on vacation so special guest co-captain we have returning friend of the show jack is here
1: Hello! Thank you so much for having me again, Melissa. I love coming on here to talk about cool stuff, and today is certainly no exception to that.
0: Yeah! You sent me some very fun pitches of mystery box TV shows, which is a very specific theme that I appreciated. So today we're going to be talking about the 2018 Netflix limited drama series, Maniac. Yes, we are. hmm This is a show that Kyle pitched to me, I think, when it first came out in, like, I saw September of 2018. Yeah, I remember I that remember he pitched that. that. I don't know what I picked instead. Like, something about this just wasn't hitting me this week. But then you suggested it, and I Googled it. And I'm like, oh, it's all directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga, the director of No Time to Die? I'm in.
1: Yes, I was so glad that you picked it because I've been wanting to watch this for a while and I've started it a few times and it's just never hit me. Like I've never been in the mood to watch it, Mm -hmm. but I knew that if I stuck with it, it would be very fulfilling, especially knowing kind of where it goes and with it being directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga, I figured this was the perfect time for both of us to watch it.
0: Yeah, I've never seen anything from this director before. I've heard his name over and over again. Like, I think people have told his credits to me. But with No Time to Die being pushed back so many times, it's like, I've got time for homework. I have time for background research. (laughs) Let me see more of your work. So, yeah, this was perfect timing. I was very happy to watch this. Good. Mm -hmm. All right. So what? What brought you to the show? Tell me some of your general feelings. This was the first time you'd watched all of the show.
1: Yes, I remember seeing a trailer for it on Netflix, like shortly before it premiered. And I was very intrigued by the premise and kind of saw where it would eventually go with all of these very specific genre bending hallucinations. And Mm -hmm. um, I was very intrigued by that. And I think it was at the time when I was working a job where I would have to wake up very early in the morning and I would just kind of be checked out for most of the day once I got off. So I found myself almost falling asleep while trying to watch Mm. the show and never made it past the first episode. Tried watching it again last year in quarantine Just wasn't hitting me exactly right, but I wanted to see where it went so badly. I knew that if I had it assigned to me as homework or if I watched it with a friend (laughs) or something, I would get through it. And so that's why I figured now is the perfect time Mm -hmm. to pitch this. If we do this show, I will have to watch it and give it my full attention.
0: (laughs) This is a great way to get into a show when you know you have like a goal. For yes. It. Yeah. To describe the show, which I don't think we've done yet. And how, oh, I missed mm. the uh, the how are you bit at the beginning. How are you, Jack? Is your week going well?
1: Yeah, my week is going well, and uh, we had a very fun day out yesterday. We yeah. played top golf and saw old, and uh, <laughs> it was quite an eventful day. We did. We had a big day. We found some local
0: little like cookie dough store that sells Dole Whip just like in the Disney parks. So I've got that little piece of Disney World (laughs) that I can get to. They sell it at our local zoo, but like now I don't have to go all the way into the zoo. I can just go to a strip mall in Chesterfield and there it is. Mm
2: -hmm. It was a
0: fun day. Yeah, yeah. So and then yesterday we had to like hold back talking about maniac because we knew we had this the next morning. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was difficult. But maniac is a show about uh, Emma Stone and Jonah Hill in a weird, uh, archaic, futuristic New York where they both sign up for this experimental drug trial and the drugs they're on give them this set of weird hallucinations where like every episode they're like living a completely different life. So we see the two of them in all these different roles, in lots of different genres of entertainment, and they're trying to, like, figure themselves out through all of these dreams that they're having. And then we see the people running the trial uh, and and how many mishaps they get into.
1: Yes, to say the very least, mishaps, indeed.
0: (laughs) There's a murder, there's a fire, there's all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was such a treat. This show has some of the best production design I think I've ever seen. Like it's a New York City that is, I don't know, you imagine it would be approximately now. Like they have so much technology everywhere. Almost that it seems futuristic, but all the technology itself looks like it was made in like 1982. (laughs) Yes. I love that detail so much. Mhm. like absolutely everything is like this little technology device but yeah it looks like they just des- like aesthetically everything got frozen in like the dawn of the home computing age
3: <laughs> it's it's
0: so it's just filled with so many bright colors i love i love this uh lab where they go and they take the tests and like they stay there over a weekend and they've got like a little social area where they sit and chat and they've got like these pods that they sleep in, like a capsule hotel. I mm-hmm. loved that setting so much. I watch all these videos on YouTube that are like ambient background noise where it's like, I don't, there's like fandom ones, like you're in the Hogwarts, the Gryffindor common room. You're in the the, the elven paradise of Laureate. You're all of these places. I want the one that's in the nph uh, experimental drug trial room because it's actually like a chill place to hang out
1: it is it kind of reminded me of like a spaceship that you would see as yeah. well in movies like alien yes. that kind of lounge area where everyone would hang out before the alien <sighs> made its presence known that kind of thing
0: they love a sci-fi lounge Mm-hmm. <laughs> This show, it it had a lot of treats. There's a lot I want to talk about. Let's take a little break now for some housekeeping.
4: We put a lot of hard work into the shows that we make. And yes, we make multiple different shows here at the Whatnots. And we'd love it if you would check them all out. You can find out more information on our website at thewhatnots.com as well as your favorite podcasting platform of choice. When you type in The Whatnots, all of our shows will pop up right there. Just don't forget to give us a nice rating and review if you like the shows. If you want to support what we do here at thewhatnots, patreon.com thewhatnots is the best place to do that. You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can get all kinds of exclusive content at the $3 tier. You can also get a shout out and thank you on all of our shows at the $5 tier. You can support us on Twitch by subscribing to our channel at twitch.tv slash the whatnots and we would love to have you all join us for our live streams and talk with us in the chat. And lastly, we have merch. If you want to grab yourself a shirt or a sweatshirt or a mug or something else, go to the whatnots.com store to pick up some merch today.
0: And we're back from housekeeping. D- thank you, Alan, for plugging that in. Alan's helping us out with some editing on this episode. And thank you, Kyle for recording this weeks ago, so you're still with us, even when you're on vacation.
1: Thank you, Ellen <laughs> so with and
0: Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> Oh, and I got to talk, we got somebody else we got to thank. We have to thank our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. So thank you, Sam, for supporting us and holding us down for this whole time. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Thanks to Sam. And to talk a bit about what else the podcast has been up to lately... In past review show episodes, we uh, finished up just a couple weeks, just before Kyle left. Another Netflix original show, we watched all three seasons of Dark, which is a German time travel drama, which is also visually stunning. Such a neat looking show. Netflix does have a history of just shows with amazing production qualities. (laughs) You can listen to us talk about Dark. Last week, uh, our friend Audrey joined us to talk about a graphic novel called Folklords, which was another very fun mix of text styles where there, it's like a medieval fantasy story, but there's one boy in this town who has visions of like business suits, watches, a car. <laughs> so he's trying to like hobble all these things together out of like wood. It's, it's, it's a neat juxtaposition. Over in Captain's Log. What have we been up to lately? Uh we we had a fun, big, you know, full house episode last week. Everyone but Kyle was on there. Uh we we looked up, we Googled Florida Man and then our birthdays to find the weirdest Florida Man headline for all of our birthdays, like some sort of uh, a <laughs> dark horoscope. You <laughs> can look forward to this. I don't know what they're doing on crossplay, but I'm sure it's something really fun. Uh and and Go back to the reactor core. We just finished doing every episode of Loki. We did a reaction on every episode of Loki, all six. We did something for Black Widow. We're over there talking about new hot things. Enjoy our entire family of podcasts, please. All right. With that, let's (laughs) let's get into spoiler territory and dive down deep on Maniac. Spoiler noise has been played for you okay (laughs) we described a bit of the visual aesthetics of the show a little bit of the plot what would you like to get into first Jack Ooh,
1: okay I guess I'm curious this is a good starting point I would say for me what was your favorite hallucination
0: oh man It might have been Furs by Sebastian. I think that because was mine. That's such, an, <laughs> such an interesting, like, almost self-contained story. Like, if you take out the bit at the end of that episode where it shows them, like, you know, knocked out, you know, sleeping in this study room. It's just like this little interesting one shot story. <laughs> I'd love to just show somebody that out of context. Not even tell him it's part of a larger show or that that was an entire hallucination. Like,
1: no, it's just a, a weird
0: short film I found.
1: Yes, I couldn't believe that the episode before involved a man just keeling over and dying at his desk. Right. And then we have this weird lemur side quest that doesn't yes. mean anything, but it means something at the same time. Yeah. And I loved it.
0: I mentioned yesterday that there was one shot in this show that amazed me so much. I almost just like texted you last week just to try and describe this and how good it is. In that fantasy, um, Annie is a nurse and one of her patients has just died. And her patient had a pet lemur, an illegal lemur, that as her dying wish, this patient told her, get this to my daughter. I want my daughter to inherit my lemur but it's illegal, so keep it a secret. And, like, the lemur's been stolen, and the uh, Department of Wildlife or whatever, whatever government department is in charge of illegal animals, like, comes to her and is trying to ask, like, so this lady had a lemur. She died, uh, didn, you know, in, in your care, which is very sad. Do you know what happened to that lemur? And she has to, like, lie about it. And so the scene takes place in the hospital, and it's her talking to whoever this government official is. And their hospital has, like, a glass case with a, an, an iguana in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. Like, sometimes you might see, like, a small aquarium. Or, like, my grandma's nursing home had a, um, a large bird cage, you know, in its common room <laughs> for the residents to enjoy. So you're seeing them. Then you're seeing this double-sided glass case with an iguana in it. And then you're seeing the room behind them where it's some other patients uh, participating in, like, a, an exercise class. So it's this four-level deep of TV playing at, like, a jazzercise video, these old people exercising, a glass case with an iguana habitat, and then this tense conversation about a missing lemur. It was just framed beautifully. Ah, oh, this shot was stunning. There's a lot of stunning shots in this, in this series, but that one really stood out to me.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree with the shots being so stunning. And what I really enjoyed too is that not only is the production design incredibly strong in this reality that they are in, but every different hallucination that they had had a totally different look and feel to mm-hmm. it. And the production design was just as strong in all of those. And I've never seen anything quite like this. <laughs> Yeah,
0: everything is designed so well. And you'd expect that, like, the world they live in would be ordinary. It would be like our world five or ten years in the future or something. And then it's the hallucinations that are, like, incredibly vivid and strange. But the world they live in is weird enough on its own. Like I said, there's all these odd tech advancements. Like, they've got something... Uh called ad Buddy, where like if you can't if you go to a diner and like you can't pay for your food, you can sign up for an ad buddy, and this person will just sit down next to you and read you ad copy, and like it's like i'll pay, I'll take the commercials oh, it's like watching a movie for free with commercials <laughs> like that's what it is. You can do anything for free if you agree to have somebody like read you commercials while you're doing it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and like the, like they have friend proxy where you can like give your friend's backstory to some service and they send an actor to like pretend to be that friend for when you're lonely for when that friend can't be there they've got the daddy's home service which is like at one point owen's like i think i'm just gonna go be a um a temporary replacement husband for widows uh i get a place to live you know they, they get to imagine they have a husband again i think it's Deal. Like all these odd sort of tech based social you know, services to each other. There's so much tech in the show, and it's the most, it's the least pessimistic version of this much tech I've ever seen. Like this is not yeah. a like there's not a lot of it's not a dystopia for sure. I, I don't like tech dystopias. You know, like those societies where everything's working fine but everybody's miserable. Mm-hmm. you know somebody's there to fight the man it's not that like all this technology is around them and it doesn't seem to mean anything bad it takes such a neutral stance on having your life being filled with computers which is really refreshing i'm tired of everything being like the characters have a phone the phone is their ultimate downfall you are the audience member how do you feel about your phone it's like I don't want to come here to feel guilty, please. Just show me a sci-fi story.
1: Yeah, the world that they live in, even though it has different technological advancements, it's pretty comparable to our world. Like, the feelings that the characters have, the experiences that they have are almost exactly the same as what Mm -hmm. we are experiencing and having. There's not a huge difference, which I think makes it even more interesting that they chose to set it in this weird alternate version of New York. Like it, it didn't need to be that way. It just kind of added something.
0: Mm -hmm. It makes it really stick out. I've never seen anything quite like this show. One of my favorite bits of tech is that Annie goes to see her dad and Mm -hmm. we find Mm -hmm. out that her, her, her mom was ill. Her, Her mom was mentally ill and like left the family when she was young. Her sister died a couple of years ago in a car accident. There's just her and her dad and she's kind of misanthropic, doesn't totally get along with her dad, but she goes to his house and you don't even know like where she is at first, whose house this is. Mm -hmm. You know, she's walking around like you can tell somebody lives in this house, but like nobody's there. The place is entirely empty. And she goes in like the backyard and there's this weird metal box that looks like some sort of a tiny spaceship shuttle, like a one person escape pod from like a, a Starship movie. She's talking to it and you find out that like her dad is in there and you and at the end when she comes back to try and like make amends with him he's like I got out of the box. I'm here living walking around in the house being a human man.
1: I don't know what he was doing in the box. It's not clear what that box is. No. I kept waiting for more of an explanation on the box itself like what does it do and we never got that but. I'm okay with it. It was still emotionally satisfying to know whatever the box was. He got out of the box. I guess that's all that mattered (laughs) at the end of the day.
0: Right. Like, is he, is he just like in a void? Is it just, is it like an an immersion tank? Is he being played like videos of a better life? Is it just like a motion motion simulator ride? Like when you'd get in at Dave and Buster's, but it shrunk down to be like one person's size. We don't know. (laughs) And I like that it's, there's like a little electronic readout screen on the side that just scrolls his name over and over again. It just says Hank. It just keeps displaying the name Hank. And it would like appear and then scroll back and forth. I'm like, you could just constantly say Hank. I don't know. I don't know what the scrolling action is for. The whole word fits on that screen at once.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Another detail, I, I loved Owen's apartment. He's got this like fifth element, like tiny little like efficiency, like tiny apartment where everything's in like a little compartment next to each other. And he's got this like tiny sink, this tiny shower and tiny computer. And you can see out the window, his apartment's next to these big neon advertisement signs. Yes. (laughs) And it it rotates between two signs. It'll flash on Jolly Rancher and then flash off and flash on Oral B.
1: Yes, which I wish that we had neon advertisements (gasps) like that. I would love those so much.
0: They're they're just a logo. There's not even a message. It's just (laughs) the name of the company. Like, that was as satirical as I feel like the show got it was like, oh, you know, they sold out this one advertising space to candy and toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. I liked what, a this show is so strange, but it's also fairly mild-mannered,
3: and, like, it's very warm.
1: Yeah, for as bizarre as it gets at times, I think that, the human emotion really grounds it in a way, yeah. Which uh, I was curious how you felt about the conclusion of the story and the story as a whole. I, I like the ending.
0: I liked how like narrowed down and small it was. Where like they leave this, uh, th- they leave this test facility, and they're like, <laughs> and no one's just like. I'm sorry I was bothering you. I thought because he's got this sort of delusion of grandeur where he thinks he's part of some larger plan. And, you know, and in his headspace, all these hallucinations we see he is, he does do something to save the day in some way in the the final episode, oddly enough. But he's like, I'm sorry I thought you were like my secret spy contact or whatever, Annie. I'm sorry for bothering you. I won't bother you anymore. And she's like, Yeah, okay. Like, they've been through such a deep experience with each other that they have no idea how to map to the outside world. They agree to just, like, leave each other in peace because they both have had so many broken relationships. They don't want another one. And Owen in particular who's been suffering from schizophrenia and these uh, hallucinations outside of this drug trial Mm -hmm. just in his everyday life, he's, like, either... He's talking to a therapist who's, like, Seems like you really developed a connection with Annie. Why don't you go talk to her? And he's like, option A, I made that whole thing up. I go look her up and she di- she isn't real. Or option B, like, I look her up and then I, I screw it up. Like, yeah, and then my my mental condition gets the best of me and, like, I yell at her or I get too intense or get too possessive. Like, something will happen and then she'll just completely disappear. Like, she will take herself off the map. She'll change her number. I'll never hear from her again. And then she's the one who finds out that like his family had him committed, and she's like, "Oh, he doesn't belong there." And has this whole scheme to like sneak in and like take him out. And they're like running away in this real junky truck. She's like, "Do you want to go to Salt Lake City
1: with me? I have a dog." And he's like, "Okay."
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. For as grand of a show as this gets at times, I did appreciate that the last episode was very mellow and down to earth and it really wrapped up these emotional character arcs really well and i something that i really appreciated too about the way that the story ended is that even though you know you can read into owen and annie's relationship as being platonic or potentially romantic especially once the Mm -hmm. hallucinations begin and in so many of these hallucinations that they're having they're either married or they've been married or they have some kind of romantic connection to one another but I really appreciated that the story ends with them just as friends and just caring about one another on like this very simple but complex level where it's like I am here as a friend I care about you And want to help you as much as I can. And I'm glad that we leave it on that level rather than just Mm -hmm. immediately jump to romantic. I, I appreciated that a lot.
0: Yeah, I do like when a show or when any sort of story recognizes that within the time frame that these characters have known each other, it could not get to romance by the time your story ends. Yes, maybe it can in the future. They don't take that off the table, but they're like, oh, they can't kiss now. Why would they kiss yeah. now? They'd only be doing it because the story is over.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I like how it ended with them driving off to Salt Lake City and having a dog with them, too. I was glad to see a dog.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and then the the, the the hawk, the hawk is one of the best parts of the show. I love the episode. It's like the third episode from the end where uh, Owen has been having this hallucination that he's like the son of this crime family, even more than he already is the son of a crime family. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, he runs away with this, uh, this girl who he's talked about being like a girl that he liked in college who kind of had an interest in him back. And like, they were study buddies and like she invited him over to study and he freaked out like he got paranoid and he thought oh this is just a girl my family planted to like placate me she's she's not real she doesn't really mm-hmm. like me this is all a lie and he's always regretted doing that to her the you know, being that uh, suddenly turning that aggressive and paranoid and not trusting her and ruining that whole thing and he has this fantasy where, the, where she's like a, a waitress it's very baby driver where he yeah. like runs away with each lot. other And then it cuts to, like, the the two of them live in his tiny apartment. They have seven children, all named after the continents. So she's like, Africa, put that down. Antarctica, stop playing with that toy drum. It's driving us crazy. Like, immediately we jump there. And then Owen's like, I can't do this anymore. And he turns and he jumps out of his window. And he falls. And he's fallen onto a miniature of the city street below love the show's use of miniatures and then he transforms into a hawk and he flies into annie's like lord of the rings hallucinations so you just see a hawk flying around with jonah hill's voice laid over it like annie it's me annie i'm a hawk now
1: yes what a wild episode which i have to give props to to whoever was in charge of editing this show because (sighs) i couldn't believe how seamless the transition was where we, we are simultaneously watching this crime drama and this Lord of the Rings fantasy epic. Yes. And it's going back and forth between them and then going into, you know, the reality that they're also in and the stuff going on behind the scenes. And I just couldn't believe that they were able to transition between all of those different plots and make it still feel cohesive and like it's part of one story at the same time.
0: Yeah, like you've got the two sets of hallucinations. You're cutting to them just, you know, sleeping in in the study room. You're cutting over to uh, James and Izumi, the two leaders of this trial, working in the lab. And then James brings his mom in to talk to their smart computer because she's grieving the death of the previous doctor working on this study. And then you're also like inside that visualization of that conversation between a woman and a computer it is going like so so many different areas and so many levels deep within each character's journey
1: mm-hmm. i did really like the crime drama as well i didn't like how violent it got but the yeah. scenes between uh owen and olivia i really liked as well i'm like i I'd like to see more of those two together. I'm sad that we didn't get more of that interaction throughout because we see a lot of Annie and Ellie and their dynamic. I wish that we could have seen more of Owen and Olivia since, you know, those are kind of the two parallels where their confrontation Mm. needs to be with those other characters, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was... Oh, I I like that they had these people from their past who kept showing up and sometimes it was characters like annie's sister ellie who were like the most pivotal person in their life but also like they they'd mix in all of these other returning actors just to play tiny roles in the hallucinations like you'd see the other people in their trial group just playing like very tiny like two-line roles in these hallucinations to fill out the background cast where you're like is it that lady again is she here I thought that was really neat. I like that strategy a lot. I would love to watch the show a second time and like track that a little bit more, especially because I had trouble telling all of Owen's brothers apart. Yes. He's got several brothers and then he has a hallucination brother also. hmm. <laughs> yeah. Owen's family's house is such a great, weird set. Even like the most normal places. In this world, like, of course, they're going to go to this lab and the lab is kind of odd looking and it's covered in all these 1970s, like horizontal rainbow stripes all over everything. And it looks like a spaceship. But like we go to his family's house and they're like, you know, this this very rich family. But it's all like it's like no mansion I've ever seen. It's all of these like really sharp angles all over the place. Tons of mirrors. Big ornate, like old-fashioned paintings juxtaposed against all of those. I loved this family portrait that's like it's his parents and his like, I don't know, three or four brothers, and they're all sort of like it, it almost like this, it looks like nighthawks or something. Like they're just sort of all uh-huh. mundanely posed around a room where like two of them are on the couch and like one of them's looking out the window and like one's sitting at a table. Like it is not at all a conventional family portrait pose. And then there's the added joke of, oh, they didn't paint Owen into that. Like, Owen was supposed to be added. And then the the portrait artist, like, went on sabbatical. so you And, like, but the portrait looks finished, right? It looks like Mm -hmm. nothing is missing. So you've got that huge painting hanging up on the wall. And then next to it is, like, a little four-by-six
3: photo of Owen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I really appreciated that very small detail
0: Mm mm-hmm and is he's got this relationship with his brother's fiance where you can tell he's kind of always had a crush on her Uh, and she's always been on his side those two are friends and she says I keep I keep telling him we're not going to set a wedding date until he can convince your parents to like get you painted into the family portrait (laughs) like she's the only one who recognizes how much of a misfit Owen is and she's always trying to stick up for him
1: yeah, I was kind of surprised that those two didn't have a history together, just because their dynamic, it seemed like they were so close, I kept waiting for there to be a reveal that maybe they knew each other before yeah. um, she knew his brother, or they had some kind of thing going on at one point. Like I, I appreciated how close they were, I was just surprised that there wasn't more of a history To them, but I did like that she was always on his side and kind of looking out for him more than his own family was. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that was. uh, I'd like to watch the show again just to track that whole family stuff a little bit better. Like I said, and like he's supposed to lie for and like give an alibi for his brother at this trial. And like it's not until the last episode that you find out like what the crime is, what he's on trial for. Like, all the details are kind of muddy for a while. Mm -hmm. I want to watch it again, knowing what everything is. Track that a little better. Especially in contrast to Annie's story, which is, like, very simple. (laughs) And always very straightforward. I like that Owen was kind of a mystery, but they didn't feel like everybody needed to be a mystery.
1: Yeah, it was kind of interesting, too, because... um... When I was watching this, I felt kind of a disconnect from Owen for the few, first few episodes. Mm-hmm. But I felt a very strong connection with Annie almost right from the bat. Mm. But then I realized that's kind of intentional because Owen isn't very yeah. clear minded. And, yes. you know, I think it's very intentional that the details of his relationship to his family and what this whole trial is and all of this stuff is kind of muddy. Because he doesn't know, so the audience doesn't really know either. And with Mm. Annie, she's very aware of her situation, so the audience is very aware of it. And I thought that was really interesting how it kind of, it was intentional that you're supposed to kind of feel a disconnect from Owen at first. Or at least I did, I don't know, but.
0: Yeah, I get that, yeah. I think that was intentional, that his story is a little bit harder for you to grab onto. And then just with his you know, as part of his personality, as part of his mental condition, he's mm-hmm. a lot flatter. He's very sort of quiet and timid and a little mumbly, uh, which which is a, fi- a great performance by Jonah Hill. I like Jonah Hill a lot. Which is why mm-hmm. I was so excited to get into these hallucinations where you could play something a little different. <laughs> like yes. the, the, the crime story. I like his, that he's visually different. He's got this like his hair's grown out and it's in braided pigtails and he's covered in tattoos. He looks like a SoundCloud rapper. Yes, <laughs> but like he, his personality-wise, he's still kind of the same. I'm like, okay, I was I was hoping to see him just have a little bit more of a get the opportunity to play more of a range in this show. Just why I loved the final hallucination we get where he's this like. Icelandic spy who like met an alien who came to Earth and like advocated for this alien and then was going to like introduce the alien to the world and the alien was at a like, they're all having a party and the alien's going to give a speech but he like knocked his cocktail over onto the microphone and it short circuited and electrocuted the alien and now he's like stricken with guilt. <laughs> Just such a a huge silly thing for him to be doing, but yeah, he's. Oh, I'd love, I'd love to get, see Jonah Hill get to be that, where he's just this like high-pitched, nervous, excited, like way more energetic version of any Owen variant than we've seen so far. That, I wish we got to spend more time in that hallucination. That one was my favorite.
1: I do too. I found myself really wanting more from these hallucinations because I love what we got, but I just wish that the show was maybe two episodes longer so we could have gotten a few yeah. more hallucinations. That mm-hmm. would have been fun.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: They
0: do a lot with what they give you, though. I was really impressed by how sincere that Lord of the Rings one was. Like They they put so much scope into mm-hmm. that fantasy hallucination. Like They are shooting out on locations. There's some green screening in of like, you know, glorious mountain vistas and stuff like that. but like they're in the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, they're wearing like full period costumes. I mean, it doesn't look like it's a like a high school play or something. Like there's some uh, there's like way more effort than even they needed to put into that fantasy storyline.
1: yeah, it was very impressive. I kind of wanted more of the seance episode as well. Yeah! I loved being in that world, and I felt like it was just a little bit too short. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I I love that they're on a search to find the supposed, like, lost chapter of Don Quixote, where if you read it, it will, like, take you to this dream world where you can live in your perfect fantasy forever, and supposedly this family, like, has that lost chapter, like, locked away in a safe. They're trying to sneak away from this party and get at that chapter, and when they finally do get it, It's like the size of a matchbook. It's so small for no reason. (laughs) That was good. I loved all those odd, like, this does not need to be here details, but everything added so much to the experience.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It really did.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. All the the hallucinations were strong. I think Furs by Sebastian stands out just because it's the first one And it's the one that we spend the most time in. It feels Mm -hmm. the most complete. Like you've got like a solid conclusion to that little mini storyline. And it's also like the closest, you know, it's just set in like 1980s Long Island. So it's it's close enough to things you already know that you don't need as much setup. You don't have as much questions.
1: Yes, for sure. And it seemed like it was the one too where you get to see the most of an established relationship with Owen and Annie. And I always found it interesting too that um, in that particular one that Owen's character in that hallucination feels like he needs to work on their marriage and he's like reading a a self-help book about relationships, but it seems like they have a really solid relationship in that episode and like they're really partners and, I was kind of confused by that a little bit. <laughs> Mhm-hmm.:
0: Yeah, and especially you're still trying to figure out like what is like you, it's not exactly clear yet that this is a shared dream that they're having. You're wondering if like one of them is dreaming about the other, who's yeah. the point of view character in what we're seeing? I do like that uh the computer got sad, and the computer cried, and it cried just like solder material and it just accidentally like glued their two like circuits together and that's how all of this happened. That's why they get so linked. Their dreams are connected because a computer was sad. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I was kind of surprised that we got that reveal that we found out the reason why. it Because I think with the structure of this series you would almost think that it would be a mystery as to why their dreams are connected yeah. and why they keep showing up in each other's minds and everything. But you you get that explanation right away. I mean, maybe the characters don't know, but the audience knows. And I found that really interesting that there was a logical, mm-hmm. as weird as it may be, scientific explanation for how that even occurred. <laughs>
0: I did love Gertie. Gertie's just a great design where they go into this entire room of all these blinking lights and circuits and she can like align the little blinking lights to like be an outline of a face, (laughs) like a pixel art who talks to you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sounds like Sally Field. (laughs) Yeah, and then she gets, uh, when she gets sad, like you see this like digital tear like drop and like spread across the floor. Yeah, and then become this like, drop of solder that sticks these two circuits together. That was interesting. I liked that angle on it. I liked how much time we got to spend with the organizers of this study, because they're also really interesting, compelling characters.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with, I forget the actress's name, but she played Dr. Fujita. Ah. Uh. Uh. I love how she's just perpetually smoking a cigarette almost every time the camera pans to her. She's just like chain smoking. I loved her.
0: It's a great performance, but I also love her visual design. Like, yes, just how she was cast. Like, she's very tall and like very thin and willowy, which makes it just interesting to watch her kind of like move around the screen. Mm -hmm. with These long, thin limbs. She's got these huge glasses. This, like, very angular, like, bob haircut that kind of, like, fans out on the sides. Yeah, and, like, constantly smoking. <laughs> like, she's just a treat to watch. <laughs> she was visually put together very well. Yeah, and just, like, uh, everything they give her to do. I like that she's just trying to hold everything together. Her previous supervisor dies. She used to go back to the old supervisor, who's this, who's, like, her ex-boyfriend. Try and drag him into this and then convince him you need to get your mom in here to talk to the sad computer. Mm -hmm. It was also happy to see Justin Thoreau because he's, I, for years, I would get him mixed up with Justin Trudeau, the Prime Minister of Canada. And I'm happy that now I've got like something I can affix this actor's like name and face to. Like, right, now this won't happen again because I've really seen you and I know who you are.
1: Yeah, that was such an interesting performance by him in this. I've seen him in a few other things here and there, mm. and something about his voice in this and the way he carried himself kind of made me feel like he was a physical, like a live action embodiment of Lego Batman
0: I get that. He, and he has this, like, we find out that he's balding and he's wearing a wig. And the wig is this, he looks like a 1970s, like, Sears catalog model. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he feels so archaic. This is a world that is, we talked about how it's, like, arguably, like, in the future. But aesthetically, like, everybody invented everything and, like, aesthetically froze it in, like, the 70s or 80s. He feels like he's still, like, from that time. Yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it was interesting (laughs) seeing that whole dynamic play out with him and Fujita and his mother once she gets into the picture. And uh, it was interesting that he had his own confrontation, even though he wasn't taking the drugs and being in that trial. It seemed like his experience was very similar to Annie's and Owen's. Mm -hmm. It was a nice parallel.
0: Yeah. And going into the show, you would have expected that this institution, this company making all these pharmaceuticals would be sinister. (laughs) Like that seems like in many other storytelling hands, that would happen. The big company is sinister. Sinister or inept are like the two main options. And I like that they're they're, like, they're kind of foolish, but they're really trying to do something good for the world. They've had successes. they really want this to be a success. They've made so much progress. Uh, and, and they're so emotionally attached to their work. They are invested in what it is they're trying to do. I felt like there was also like a warmer approach to the people running this trial than we would have gotten in other versions of what the story could have been.
1: Yeah, for sure. You never question that what they're trying to do will help others. Yeah. And yeah, there's never like this sinister tone to them where uh, you wonder what their real motives are or what they're Mm -hmm. really up to. It's like, yeah, they're they're trying and... Things are just unfortunately falling (laughs) apart and they don't want other people to know. And yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like their motives
0: are exactly what they say they are. Like they're very honest about that. We want to make a drug that will really help people deal with trauma and move past it and get to a more peaceful place in their life. And yes, we... Basically, we cloned this famous psychologist's brain patterns and made her into a computer without her knowing or agreeing to it. Yes, this has resulted in like six patients going catatonic and now living in a vegetative state. Yes, it's dangerous. But imagine like the benefits that could be reaped from this. We could heal a billion people if we get this to work. Mm hmm. I love the uh, introductory video that plays when they first get to this facility, <laughs> and it's just like it's like James Mannalray's head, and then like the, the the previous doctor who dies. It's just like their heads pasted into this. Like, it reminds me of the video you watch in Spaceship Earth, the Disney ride Spaceship Earth, where yes. like is this like you go up in the ride and you're watching all the animatronics, but then when you're going down. They, like, snap a picture of you. You're watching a screen on the back of, like, the vehicle in front of you, and it, like, sticks your head into this, like, and this is your future. You're going to ride a speed car to work. You, you can speak to anyone across the globe in an instant with the magic of computers. Like, all the silly futuristic stuff was just, like, your head dropped in there, and that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> I love the little pixel arts on the TVs. I like that, you know, they're all sitting in a circle, around this this table there in their their lounge and there's like a crt tv stuck over over like each chair with a little pixel guy who's like time for rest time for discussion with your partner time for meal and and then their meals just like these weird little like jelly cubes i loved those i, I want binging with babish to show me how to make those
1: yeah, just another touch that really made it feel like they were in a space station or something in some kind of right sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was nice to know that this is a well-paid
0: study, like we learned that this is something that this in this company does frequently and it's known like if you sign up for their trials, they pay you pretty well. And they do pay you fairly based on the risk of the trials. This is something that like a lot of people will go to when they need money. They've got a real interesting variety of other patients that they're in there with. And you you're watching them go through all these ordeals. And it show does a good job of portraying the people organizing everything as like altruistic enough where, you know, like, well, at least at the end of the day, they still got that check coming to them. Like maybe their brains have been all scrambled, but it's like. They will get like a decent paycheck out of it. It's nice. You know, it's just like a small bit of comfort you have in the back of your head.
1: Yeah, not that it was like some kind of free experiment that they weren't getting paid for. Right. And like they weren't tricked into
0: doing it. Like this company was pretty upfront about, I mean, they don't tell them about the McMurphys, which are these previous patients that Gertie like. Pushed into being a vegetative state, who then turn out to be these other actors we keep seeing throughout the hallucinations, like those two twins that follow her around, like you don't know like where these people have come from, if there's anything significant to why they keep showing up or if it's just you know, sort of uh outside of the narrative, like this production being like, okay, we'll let's hire a couple actors and just use them several times because it's efficient, but then you find out, oh no, those are people that. Gertie has, you know, uh, made Catatonic in the past and they sort of hang out with her as her friends and now that's what she wants to do to Annie. She wants to add Annie to her her mental entourage.
1: Yeah, I was kind of glad that as much as Gertie or Greta or maybe it was Greta, I forget, Gertie might have been sally field's character and greta was the computer but whoever it was um her her name was greta
0: this is this was confusing to me at first so yeah she plays dr greta mantle ray and then the computer they build based off her her like she's labeled grta but they call her gertie
1: okay I kept getting confused by that, especially since I watched this earlier this week and I was reading through all of the Mm. episode descriptions. I just see GRTA and I'm trying to think in my head, like, what was it again? But uh, Mm. I thought it was good, too, that even though she seems like a threat and uh, maybe a bit of an antagonist, that things turn out okay with her as well. Her and Annie come to an understanding and Annie helps her confront her own pain yeah that was really nice
0: Hmm. yeah this show is very sympathetic to everyone involved everyone mm-hmm. gets uh even if they don't get a happy ending like they at least don't get their lives ruined like it, Greta and and James have some sort of a a reconciliation where he's like I think we could have lunch with each other and she's like I'm gonna be gone forever on a book tour But yes, we can have lunch, and it seems like that distance may be something that they need. Maybe having lunch right away is too much for them. But that offer is on the table, and that's much more than those two have had
1: in, like, the last seven years. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it ends on a fairly good note for all of the characters, even if it's not revolutionary or life-changing. They're getting somewhere. They're better off at the end than they were at the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think that's good. Like I said, this is a show that I was expecting because speculative fiction is so often um used to criticize, used as a cautionary tale, can end with like a a, a chilling or or unclear or ambiguous ending. I like that this was a show that had so much warmth and sympathy in it. <laughs> there wasn't like really portraying anything uh in too harsh of a light. And then everybody did come out okay at the end. <laughs> I think those other patients were fine. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they almost all caught on fire, but I think they're okay. I would to say I loved the that older woman in their study group. There's a sec there's a scene where they cut to like everybody in their pods and you get just like a couple seconds with each of them. You see this older woman bring out a copy of Black Beauty and she's reading it and she says mm-hmm. When is this horse going to (laughs) die? Yes, she was a great touch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, uh, it it had a lot going on. I liked all the characters. I'd like to spend time in the hallucinations with Annie and Owen themselves, with James and Izumi, and the like file cabinets that they slept in. I love that this is a show about tiny beds. It's all these like little compartments. Everything feels like a dollhouse, like they're living in a Polly Pocket world where you just live in like a small plastic bed. Like they just pull open a drawer in this big cabinet and there's, it's like lined with like acoustic foam and it's got a tiny light and they crawl in there and like clap on, clap off. <laughs> like it slides them back in. <laughs> Never seen anything like that on Earth and not in a spaceship.
3: Mm-mm. <sighs> it's all new. <laughs> Mm -hmm.
0: I enjoyed the show a lot it had a lot of uh, it's so much going on that it I I felt like there were things I weren't I wasn't quite picking up on or like they would introduce something in like episode one or two and then by the time I got to later in the series so much has happened it's like I think I remember that
1: (laughs) yes I found myself feeling the exact same way (laughs)
0: Mm hmm. mm -hmm. This could stand to be rewatched and it's light enough to rewatch. Like it's not one of those shows that like is very good, but it's heavy. (laughs) Like Dark was very impressive. I'm not just going to casually throw Dark on around, you know, not just because it's entirely in German with subtitles. (laughs) Like I love Lost. I don't just put Lost on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could see that. And I think that as much as there are very emotional moments in this it does a really good job of balancing the tones so that you're not left in that kind of a space for too long yes
0: yeah like the the flashback to Annie and when her sister died is emotionally rough but also mm-hmm. it has these funner moments like i like that what they're they're on this road trip and she keeps doing this thing to bug her sister Her sister bought like a uh, like a disposable like Kodak camera and like wants Annie to take all of these pictures on their road trip. And Annie's always acting like she's about to take a photo and then moves it and like snaps a photo of her armpit, which Mm -hmm. I have not seen. It's really funny. It feels like such a real thing somebody would do.
1: Yeah, it was fun to see that for sure.
0: Mm, it was fun to watch Emma Stone. I always forget how much I like her. I think because she is just so reliably, consistently good. (laughs) Like, she's such a known quantity in my head. It's like, yes, of course Emma Stone is good. And then when I sit down and actually watch her, I'm like, what am I talking about? Emma Stone's great.
1: Yeah, there's something about her too that is personable enough that she feels like someone you know Yeah, maybe because she's been around for I think she has been around in my life longer than she hasn't been at this point. That you know, I just feel like I know her in a way, even though I don't. It's like, oh, yeah, that's my friend, Emma Stone. (laughs) She's doing
0: great. (laughs) Right. She's
1: she's like your fun, older cousin. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: She's got such a she's got some of the best eyebrows in the business. She's always so emotive. It was great. Her and Jonah Hill are like really great against each other in these roles. It was nice to see her and Sally Field together again since the Amazing Spider-Man movies.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you thought about that because I definitely did.
0: (laughs) uh, Sally Field, excellent choice. It It was very fun to see her play. She's been a mom so frequently or a mother figure like Aunt May Parker. (laughs) to have her be this darker take on that but still with heart to her she still cares about her son wants to see him do well is upset you know when he's upset at her like there's enough there that you still she's the most antagonistic character we get but you still kind of feel for her and want that bond to be reforged
3: yeah it's a good arc Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I'd like to see, uh, I like getting this peek at what Kerry Joji Fukunaga can do, especially because this is a show he didn't just direct, he also helped develop. I'm curious exactly how, and the, the co-creator was Patrick Somerville, whose name I don't think I've seen before. It's maybe somebody else to look into. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the only thing I can think of that he's made that has been on my radar at all is some kind of show for HBO Max that came out within the past year, and it's called Made for Love. And I looked huh. at the synopsis, and I'm like, ah, maybe not, but I'm glad that he's making stuff, and it seems very mm-hmm. unique for sure, so yeah, very interested to watch this guy's career.
0: Yeah, this is, the, Maniac is such impressive work. I liked how, di- how diverse it was, how much there is, it seems like there is like a Japanese influence on it. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, the, the Asian supporting cast members. There's like a lot of Japanese text and language like in the lab where they're working. Lots of bonsai trees. I don't know. I can't, I can't really articulate it well, but I, I could feel that that influence was there
1: yes i could feel that as
0: well mm, and like trying to think ahead to no time to die as i have been so often this is a movie that looms large in my head since it's been pushed back so many times mm-hmm. <laughs> just trying to f- like predict anything i can about it i really like his style I, I like how like I said the production design in this movie is incredible you know like the, The settings were all chosen so well, made really interesting use of them. And there's a kind of a mystery. I I could feel this like tension of mystery in a lot of what we were seeing, a lot of shots.
1: Yeah, definitely. I looked at some of the shots throughout this, I don't know. It's hard to articulate, but sometimes when you're watching a movie or a mini series, and you know that it's directed by someone who is making something else that you're very excited for, you see yeah. certain shots and you think, I can see how this is going to play really well into whatever they do with the next thing they're working on. And I felt that way a lot with the fantasy portion of the mm. show, because there were all of those really beautiful outdoor landscapes that they were working with and i could just see bond getting into some mischief to say the least outside and having (laughs) carrie joji fukunaga direct it incredibly well
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this gets me excited for uh the potential for villain layers in this movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) if he could use a setting so well Yeah. Impressive all around. Do you have any other thoughts as we uh, reach our conclusion of the discussion on Maniac?
1: I don't think I do. I think, oh, my one note that we did not touch on in the Furs by Sebastian episode, one of the guys Ah. who is working in the fur shop and is, well, I guess I shouldn't say working, but he's in the back and he's like, I don't know if you call him one of the goons or whatever, but he was wearing Rex Kondo pants, and I was so happy to see those. (laughs) I love those
0: two guys. Yeah, like, I love that back room they go into that it's all diagonal wood paneling, but every couple feet there's also a strip of paneling that's mirrored, which is a a visual style I've never seen before. It's so... Decadent, like stylish 80s, and like that shop has so many like neon lights in it and all these mirrors. And I like that they're practicing for some sort of a dance routine that you never find anything out about. But yeah, just to see these two sort of gym rat-looking guys, you know, these two brothers who were like you know making fun of each other, be like, okay, it's time to get down to our dance practice. just so many unexpected details throughout the entire series, and all of them are valuable. Every tiny little choice, like, really adds something to this experience. It does. Mm Mm-hmm. If people... Oh, bingo! So something we've been doing lately on the review show, uh, Kyle and I started this earlier this year, we wrote down a list of... Different media tropes. And we made these uh, bingo sheets. He and I each have different ones with different things that we picked. And we've been marking off when we encounter these tropes. Kyle already has one bingo, but we're going to keep playing for the rest of the year and see who can get like the most squares marked off. Mm -hmm. I forgot to ask him if I can keep marking things off while he's not here. But just to keep track of what I could potentially get.
3: Let's see.
0: I have, oh, I have spaceship AI. And I think Gertie definitely counts. This is not literally a spaceship. When I wrote that, I was not expecting there to be an AI this personified uh, on Earth. And we've talked about how much this thing feels like it's a spaceship. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like I could get that one. And then I also have one shot sequence and there's a great one shot fight sequence in the, the uh, like second to last episode with the Icelandic spies.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Let's see.
0: I, oh, I have crashing a fancy party. Oh my God. I hope Kyle lets me keep these. Cause there's so many that I can get to do crashing a fancy party. Courtroom scene. Mm. Oh, my God. This is what I've been
3: waiting for.
0: Oh, my gosh. I have a bingo now if Kyle lets me keep these. (laughs) Stay tuned in the weeks to come as as we litigate uh, how the bingo game works. Mm -hmm. All right. That's your that's your bingo update audience who may closely be following the bingo game. Jack, if people enjoyed Maniac as we did, what else would you recommend to them?
1: You know, there is going to be one day maybe where I don't talk about Mr. Robot, but today is not that day. (laughs) Um, I think that there are a lot of thematic similarities with uh, Mm -hmm. confronting your trauma and grappling with mental illness and... Even though there is, like, a grander plot, having the last few episodes kind of deal more with uh, human connection. And uh, so, yeah, you can get all of that in Mr. Robot as well. Beautifully shot, great performances. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just a very impressive show all around that definitely influenced my taste moving forward in media. And uh, really just dug underneath my skin and will remain there for some time oh yeah yeah mr robots
0: a show that i don't think you forget i'll be like i don't know 86 years old wheeling around a a senior care facility just being like you remember that episode where they get lost in the woods
1: (laughs) yes same here
0: Right, and another great show about your parent letting you down in life so then you create uh, a robotic replacement of your parent. Yes.
2: Very
1: much so. And uh, I would also recommend the first season of True Detective, mainly because it was directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga and I think the crime drama aspect of this story in Maniac, kind of, uh, maybe doesn't parallel True Detective, but I could definitely see his style Mm. being used again in that little sequence, and there is a very impressive one-shot scene in, I want to say, episode four of that season. I forget which episode it is, but yeah, very impressive, for sure.
0: Early on, I don't have to wait very long to get some one-shot accent action that's promising. hmm This is a show that's, like I said, it's really unlike many other things that I have seen, but it did remind me of a show we watched uh, not too long ago on the show called Dimension 404. Ah. This is a uh, This is a sci-fi anthology show on Hulu. From oh, I think maybe like 2017. Let me go back and find it. Dimension 404. Yes, this is a 2017 Hulu original show. We covered this uh just back on episode 161 here on the review show. Every episode's a different sci-fi story, and one of them does involve a giant military supercomputer who's tracking like all the people on Earth at once and like trying to pinpoint this one terrorist. Like, you know, I'm watching everybody to, like, find these threats, like, Minority Report style, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the computer is just, um... It's, like, one blinking robot eye on a giant block of flesh that's, like, two stories tall. It's just, like, a massive cube of, like, pure brain tissue. So this weird fleshy matter with, like, one little blinking robot eye. And it's, it's sentient, and it starts to, like feel bad about what it's doing so the episode is about this military psychologist trying to talk down this flesh computer and like get him back in working condition in time to find this terrorist and also it's christmas nice yeah another sort of weird one-shot episode that i thought like furs with sebastian i could just show somebody this out of context yeah I would also recommend uh the only other thing that seemed like it would be on Maniac's level of weird. The only other thing I could compare it to was being John Malkovich. Mm. Which, <laughs> which also has involved like a weird, a weirdly designed workspace. Uh, lots of tiny compartments, tiny things. You know, like they he works on a floor of an office building that's only like four feet tall or something and everyone just goes about their normal office life but they're hunched over they reminded me of this tiny chapter of the book that they find which is Mm -hmm. for no clear reason made on like matchbook sized paper when the book is on regular paper (laughs) i love how that came back in the spy fantasy where where uh snorri is like I have a little statement I'd like to read. And he pulls out a tiny piece of paper. That's a good gag. That's classic top secret. Yeah, being John Malkovich, a very interesting story of like getting in somebody's head, walking around, seeing things as they see, to being in there with somebody else. Yeah, I, th- I think it is thematically and stylistically an appropriate match to Maniac.
1: Yeah. That kind of reminds me, too, of another movie written by Charlie Kaufman, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yes! Which I think has a a visual language very similar to this movie, or not movie, miniseries. But uh, Mm -hmm. I think that the technology is kind of similar, too, in a way that... It takes place kind of in the world that we're living in, but there is these weird technological advancements and uh, the way that it plays with memory and overcoming yeah. trauma. I think also would be very fitting.
3: Hmm.
0: Okay. Thank you for coming here and talking about Maniac. I was delighted to actually sit down and watch this thing. It was so much more than what I thought it was going to be upon just reading the premise.
1: <laughs> yes, thank you so much for having me. This was fun to come on here and talk about something new and, you know, just have a good discussion.
0: hmm Do you have anything you'd like to plug or tell the people
1: about? Well, I have a podcast that is currently on hiatus. It's called Your Friendly Neighborhood Filmcast, and it's just a, a podcast where I have fun discussions about movies with friends, and it's currently on hiatus, but it will not be that way forever if nothing else I will have a podcast at the end of the year where I talk about my favorite movies of the year so if you don't see anything before December expect at least two episodes that month (laughs) good Mm -hmm. awesome yeah I've been a guest on that
0: show a couple times and I've really enjoyed it it's a nice fun freewheeling film discussion You can find me on on Twitter and Instagram at WilkyWit. That's W-I-L-K-Y-W-I-T. And listen to my other podcast, Saturday Morning Obscurities, where me and my brother Jams talk about weird old kids shows you feel like only you remember. Uh, And you guessed it on one episode talking about something that's definitely weird, although it isn't that old. It's a theatrically released flop of a movie from the early 2000s called Oogie Loves and the Big Balloon Adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where these big people in like faux mascot suits play these weird little creatures that go on an adventure to collect balloons and there's a song and dance number everywhere they go and it was designed for theaters to be a show, like a movie you could take your little kids to and they could get up and dance along with the movie. And nobody wanted to do that. And it's (laughs) the movie practically disappeared. But we've seen it. We're like, we have to talk about this thing. We need Oogie Loves on the record.
1: We do. That was a very fun episode Mm -hmm. to record. Yeah, you can find that on Saturday Morning Obscurities.
0: And then My Brother Jams is going to be our guest next week. We are talking about a comic called Check, Please. It started as a web comic, and then I think it was printed into a couple graphic novels. I think it's two volumes. And it is a, uh, a romantic comedy comic about hockey, about, like, this guy who has, like, a figure skating background, and he tries to join the hockey team, and he falls in love with, like, the star hockey player. Nice. <laughs> I read it once years ago uh, when it was in webcomic format. Like, I read it on Tumblr, I think. Uh, and Yeah, I, I forgot about it. And it, it might be fun to go and revisit. I remember it being just a, a cute little
1: time. I look forward to listening to that episode. <laughs> Jack, thank you for being here. Thank you for
0: bringing Maniac to my attention uh, to help feed us as we continue on this long road to no time to die (laughs) every step brings us closer (laughs) all right well thanks for being here this has been episode 167 of the whatnots review show have a great day everybody goodbye goodbye